different points of view and highs and lows a new perspective everywhere you go open up your mind drown out the noise and see if this connected and see if this connected What's up fam? The mission of this connected podcast is to connect generations and situations about faith, life, and whatever comes along the way. To not necessarily agree, but be listened to. These conversations of course highlight the perspective of our various guests, and you are always welcome to agree or even disagree. But as always, we hope that it is done in charity. Now, here's your host, Catholic.dad. Thanks Tony again for that beautiful intro. I just You are welcome. <laughs> I just want to say, before I forget anything, make sure that you support our Catholic friends who are doing business out there. Um, let's see. Um, um, Mr. Valdez from Valdez Realty, uh, thank you for your support. Um, the Vickery family who own a, a bed and breakfast in the mountains thank you for your support and all you other people out there who are supporting thank you to our patrons uh for becoming a patron of the podcast we are up to 14 patrons now Woo, thank awesome. you so much if you want to become a patron just go to our bio or go to www.patreon.com forward slash disconnected that's why we got tony so thank you on this episode fam we have a special guest we have the original crew of me and Tony and Bethany. That's me. That's him. And if you see the man in black to my right, or if you're hearing a voice that's going to come out, if you're not watching this on YouTube, we have Father Manny Cardoza. Hey, y'all. Did you hear that voice? It's great to be here with y'all. He is a priest from the Diocese of San Bernardino. Uh, he is the pastor at Our Lady of Hope Community. Yes, which means Catholic that mm -hmm. Catholic, which means that it's more than just one church. Correct. Uh, so we have uh, two sites. Uh, formerly, we were three different uh, distinct parishes: uh, Christ the King, um, Our Lady of Fatima, and Saint Anne's. And so, those three communities make up uh, Our Lady of Hope. And so, currently, we are on two sites: uh, formerly Our Lady of Fatima and formerly Saint Anne's on Valencia Avenue and Del Rosa Avenue. Wow, that's 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 a huge community, which is literally. Uh, in the center of San Bernardino. Yeah, so, um, well, our Fatima site, that's more towards the downtown area. Um, Christ the King used to be very close to down, downtown. And then St. Anne's is more on the uh, on the east side of uh, San Bernardino. And so, um, but we have a, a wide, wide variety. And, you know, like for me, um, you know, my mentality is always the, the, the church has to be present, not just in, in our sites, but really in the community as a, as a whole. And so... You know, we take seriously uh, what, what, of course, the Lord Jesus asked of us, but even Pope po Francis recently about that we can't just be limited to our spaces. You That's know, true. we can't limit it to our to our, our, our parishes, but really it, it extends out to the to the community. And so that's uh, even canon law tells tells me as a pastor, I'm in care of souls. It doesn't say care mm -hmm. of Catholic souls or Christian souls, but care of souls. And mm -hmm. so that means everywhere. And so for that reason, you know, we, we do a lot of uh, community activities. Amen. But before we get really yeah. deep into our conversation, because we are going to get deep into this conversation with you, Father Manny, um, 
some of our listeners may not know who you are. We have listeners in other states awesome. and other countries. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little, give us a little bio about you. Yeah, so you know, I was born and raised here actually in the Inland Empire in Corona, California. Uh, I was born in uh, 1978. Um, and so I'm a graduate uh, of 1996, graduate of Corona High School at Go Panthers. Um, and so uh, <laughs> I went to Cal State San Bernardino, uh, Go Yotes, woo woo. And uh, I have a degree in history that's right belly up yeah there you go and so i have a degree in history uh i was going uh, to be a teacher before i entered the seminary and so i was on my way to do to do that and so i graduated in 2001 with a degree in history then i entered the seminary i believe 2002 um at the sarah house when it was originally in riverside uh near uh saint francis de sales on uh, lime lime street oh. and 14th street mm-hmm and then from there, I went up to uh, San Antonio, Texas. So I lived uh, in Texas for uh, five years. And then um, while in the seminary, I lived in Adelanto. I was an intern at uh, Christ the Good Shepherd in Adelanto, great parish, where I learned a lot of my, uh, my Espanol. And, uh, you know, I'm Hispanic. My parents, uh, you know, grew, both uh, speak Spanish and English fluently, but uh, as many Mexican Americans. I, I was only uh, someone who spoke only English much of the time until I entered the seminary. And so, uh, fortunately, you know, I, I speak a lot better. Still kind of pocho, but, you know, we still work on it. Um, and then finally, uh, I was ordained in 2009 uh, right here at the cathedral uh, in San Bernardino with Father Tong um, by Bishop Barnes. And so I've been in three assignments so far. Uh, actually, uh, the last guest you had, Father Tomas. Mm-hmm. I was uh, where he's at, St. Catherine of Alexandria in Temecula for uh, three years. Then I was a hospital chaplain here at Loma Linda Medical Center for the Children's Units um, for a couple years. And I've been here at Our Lady of Hope uh, now for my eighth year as a first administrator for three years and then pastor now for the last uh, six, five, six years. And so uh, it's been a great journey, you know, and uh, I'm always, uh, I just say, Lord, where do you want me? And that's... Th- that was a dangerous question I asked him at the beginning. Like, Lord, what do you want of me? And then he told me, I said, ah, no, I don't want that. <laughs> when he told me to be a priest, I was like, uh-uh, I got my own plans, dude. And uh, But you know what? I should have just listened to him because it would have saved me the heartache of being in school for so long. <laughs> 13 years, kids. Don't do it. <laughs> just listen to Jesus. It takes less time. <laughs> that is the first time that I had a priest say, don't do it. Just go share the priesthood. <laughs> 13 years. 13 years. Could have been a Jesuit. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's that was six more years. I get that. <laughs> I'm already crazy enough, you know. Thirteen years, I think, I think that's enough. <laughs> that that is super cool, and and I love having priests just about as cool as you guys are. And if you guys see most of the priests that we have are pretty much younger than me. I'm sorry, <laughs> they're like like super young priests, and and I just yeah. like to the fact that you know what I saw you driving in in a car, you know. Folks, when you see priests driving cars, you know, it's what you imagine usually is like, you know, they're driving a little Civic, a Prius. They don't drive no muscle cars. <laughs> this guy rolls in in muscle car, and I figure it's like, why is that man rolling in a muscle car? And then the guy comes out, and it's like, you're huge. How tall are you? I'm a six foot four. Six foot four. He yeah. deserves a muscle car because the man, <laughs> Thank you. man is not going to fit in my Prius. <laughs> Oh my gosh! You know what? Uh, I just uh, this is what happens 
when you uh, own a car for 10 years, you're able to save enough money <laughs> to make the payments. And, uh, you know, one of the advantages. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty tall, six foot four. And I heard the story uh, just recently. Some of the kids from, the, from my parents at altar service are like, Father, we were afraid of you. I'm like, really? Why? I'm always smiling and like, hey, what's up, kiddos? You know, how y'all doing? Because you're so tall <laughs> and you intimidate us. I'm like, oh, don't be intimidated, children. I love you guys. <laughs> and so, but I'm, I'm glad they're honest, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, that's one of the things with the parish. The kids are, are very honest and uh, they do great work. You know, I love my young people. They're great. That's mm-hmm. awesome. So what are some of the things that, that, um, that you're passionate with that you've been working on? I know you work at Our Lady of Hope. Um, so what are some of the things we asked actually asked you to come on to share some of those things we met you um, you know actually I have a flyer right here which I don't have a new one but one of the things that that we completely admire about you and uh, your community Our Lady of Hope masses of life and reparation which you hold in front of Planned Parenthood and San Bernardino also at the Family Planning Associates also in, in in San Bernardino, and it was it was like the first time I saw it. And it's like they're having mass there, and and I looked over and it's like literally you guys are having mass in the parking lot. And I think it's very not well known um, yeah. in, in our community, and, and we kind of want want to shed light on it. But yeah. tell us how that started. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I have to give a lot of credit to Father Paul Schmidt. He's a SVD uh, provincial. Um, and so when I was a seminarian, um, when the Planned Parenthood was uh, near, I think it's Common Center, uh, mm-hmm. the original site, uh, one of the years we went uh, to pray uh, when I was a seminarian, and uh, he was out there celebrating Mass. And I was like, oh, man, this is, this is awesome. You know, and so I was a first-year seminarian, I think, at the time. And so, you know, when uh, I arrived to San Bernardino, I found out that there was not just one Planned Parenthood uh, abortion clinic, but it was two, like literally 10 minutes from each other. And yeah. I, I was like, this is uh, uh, sc- scandalous to me, you know, and, and really San Bernardino, unfortunately, if, I mean, you guys know the stories. Um, it really is engulfed in the culture of death, you know, and, and it starts from the most innocent. And so um, I figured, well, you know what? We're supposed to be out there. We're supposed to be in community uh, and, and really proclaiming the gospel, and, you know, and I'm someone who really uh, – advocates for the dignity of the human person in all its forms and if we can't stop at a start of conception then you know what we're really wasting our time and so uh, we started uh celebrating masses there for now seven years seven years once a month uh between the two sites you know and um you know i have to say when i first got there um the people were were encouraged and they were also excited but there was a lot of cynicism you know just to be real, real honest and real blunt because there was an idea that I was going to get in trouble for doing this. And, and you'd be surprised who they thought I was going to get in trouble with. The people were saying, Father, this is great. You're out here, but you're going to get in trouble. I'm like, in trouble from who? Well, the bishop. <laughs> I'm like, the bishop, why? Well, he doesn't like us. What do you? The reason I'm out here is because he asked us to be out here. He wants us to be out here. He, he might not be here personally, but he wants us to be out here. And so I'm here as his representative. I'm his priest. And I'm not going to get in trouble. And so I would hear this, like, oh, you're going to get sent out to Mecca, like a punishment. And I'm like, yo, man, if I get sent out to Mecca, that'd be awesome. I would love it, you know? But um, so it, it was uh, inter- interesting at the least. Uh, and, and so little by little, we started making these inroads. Um, you know, we started getting, at a certain point, like 70, 80 
uh, 90 people uh, before the pandemic. And so we were, we were able to uh, get go between the two sites. Um, you know, the one, uh, the Planned Parenthood that is on Commerce Center West, um, you know, they've been a little more aggressive with us. Uh, they've called the police on us. You know, uh, they've asked us, uh, we have put noise complaints on us. And um, so obviously we were doing something right. Exactly. You know, and, and so they put a fence around their, their building, you know, and so, um, but you know, we really what, what needs to happen is uh, we need a lot more people to come out, you know, like I've heard uh, this, that if we get like X amount of people, like 500 plus uh, con con on a consistent basis, you know, the, the people who lease out these, uh, to these, uh, to these folks um, will say, you know what? Nope. We don't need that sort of aggravation. So you guys are out. And so, if we get that on a consistent basis, you know, we're going to see some, some major changes. And so this is one of the reasons that to me, if if I'm going to be speaking about poverty or the gun violence in the city of San Bernardino or any of the other issues concerning human dignity, it has to start right there with dignity of a human person uh, at conception. And so uh, one of the things that, that we really try to emphasize is that we're not here to judge. You know, I think that's one of the things that I've been working on really for the last seven, seven years. And so we've, we've had some situations, unfortunately, when... One of the masses, uh, it was the reading was uh, "Love your enemies," you know, <laughs> which you know Jesus really knows what which scriptures to, <laughs> to choose when we're having these things, you know, and uh, and so one of the Salvador councils came up to me and said, "Father, you know, like one of the uh, one of your, one of our people went up to the to the security guard and telling that he's gonna roast in hell and that you know the blood of the babies is on your hands." I'm like, <sighs> after I just talked about loving your <laughs> your enemies, so. The next month, you know, I was a little perturbed. And so I talked about that. I said, if you think that uh, telling someone that they're going to be damned and that uh, the blood of the babies in their hands, then guess what? You're just as responsible as anyone else of sending people to this place because you just condemn them. You just condemned yourself, too. And, and so the person who said that, uh, he wasn't too happy with me after that. Um, he comes around. He's, he's a nice man. Uh, but he didn't talk to me for a few for a while. <laughs> so, but you don't know, like... To me, we're not there to judge anybody. We're there to help people, to, to convince them, like, keep your baby because it's worth it. And I, this morning, uh, we had the Mass for Life this morning. And so, you know, one of the things I said is, like, you know, this place, uh, it's Family Planning Associates, they promise liberation. They promise we're here for you. They promise we walk with you. But once, uh, uh, sadly, a, a person uh, aborts their baby, where are they at? They're nowhere to be seen. They, they made their money. They can care less now. And who picks up the, the pieces? It's the church. It's Jesus. It's God. It's the people that, that walk with these women that feel guilty or the men that feel like, what did I do this for? You know, we're the ones that have to pick up the pieces. And, and that's what you don't hear. You know, you, we hear so many uh, sad stories of women who they feel completely depressed. They feel like God is not going to forgive me. You know, and you hear these stories and. One of the things I say at Mass, you know, even uh, when we're pushing the Mass for Life, we say, I say personally, you know, God loves you and uh, please come to confession if you've committed this sin. We're not here to condemn you or, or judge you. We're here to, to accompany you and to remind you that you're still the child of God and that your baby loves you. And uh, I've had women come up and, and even fathers, you know, mothers and fathers come up and, and confess their sins and, and feel that relief. You could just see it like just... Mm -hmm. Onto shoulders, you know, it's 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 amazing, really, the power of reconciliation, of confession, and you know, I tell, remind them that, pray for your babies, give them a name, and you're gonna see them again. 
you're going to see them again. And we give thanks to God, you know, for his generosity. And so, you know, that's one of the things that uh, the reason I, I do that, that sort of work is because I want them to know that they're loved, that we're not here to, to condemn. And, and I think we've done a good job with the people, you know, because very rarely do I hear um, anyone from our group, from the Catholic group, mm -hmm. condemning anybody. Maybe from other groups, you know, I hear them shouting and screaming mm -hmm. and all that, that that mess, you know. But, um, but you know, I I I I pray that it gets bigger. <laughs> I pray that it expands, you know. But you know, I, I always say it's God's time. He's the one that's going to manage this stuff, and uh, you know, like the, the the least that we can do is is offer this outlet for people to feel like the church is walking with them, the institutional exactly. church. You know, the people of God are already doing their work. You know. I remember hearing a Protestant say this, uh, said, you know, we have to give credit to you guys as Catholics because since since Roe v. Wade, the Catholics have been the ones out there every weekend, every month, every year doing what you're supposed to do. And, and we have to give credit to you guys because if it wasn't for y'all, you know, we would be a mess. You know, we, we wouldn't know who to, who who would lead us, you know. And I mean, those are Protestants. That's a Protestant mm -hmm. saying that, you know. And so I think we have a lot of credibility in this, you know, even there might be confusion in, even within the church as to the teaching, but I think people see us as certainly the leader, uh, you know, for certainly the dignity of the human person from conception to natural death, but especially on this particular issue. So it's been great. I love it. it. it it's it's amazing because uh, Bethany and I have, have been uh, trudging along um, to do this on the second Saturday and then found out that, that there, there is a mass, so we switched it to pray our rosary at 8 a.m. so that we can attend mm -hmm. the mass at 9 a.m., and have connected with um, the Pregnancy and Family Resource Center that we encourage people to donate um, to support that area. Uh, one of the things, is, is Father, as you said, is uh, as Catholics, we have such credibility that is that uh, of being there. And even when we go there, and we, we always end up following along with that, the group of, of, of Christians, and God bless them, but they, they preach, uh, you know, um, the condemnation that you're going to hell and you're, you're going to burn in hell. And I remember that one time Bethany and I went there and they were just going back and forth with the security guard. And later on, she approached us and, and gave us her true name mm -hmm. because, as she said, you guys aren't here, you know, to yell at me. You know, I'm here because I... I I need to work, yeah. and um, just reaching out to those people Absolutely. and says, "Let us help you find alternative work." Yeah. It's it's showing them that compassion, um, and uh, again, when we have our brothers and sisters who are not Catholics who say, "You have to do more than pray, and you actually have to engage," um, I always have to smile and, and just have to say that you know there is a lot of strength in the prayers mm -hmm. of all these yeah. people. Not everyone can engage, and I, I tell I tell him, hey brother, you know I I pray that you know your engagements are fruitful, but not all of us have that gift of engagement. So that's yeah. the talent you're given. We bring on the prayer warriors and praying yeah. intentionally. Absolutely, you know, and that's one of the things I remember hearing a story of somebody who worked at, at a Planned Parenthood, and uh, she didn't want to work there, but she needed a job, mm -hmm. and that's all she can get. You know, and, and she, she felt guilty about working there because she's Catholic. And um, and so she leaves, and there's one of these folks, you know, out there saying, you're burning in hell, you you know, like, you deserve it. And, and that made her even feel worse, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. And so next, you know, she over time, she, she just kept working there. And, and finally, somebody who 
she was Catholic, told her, we love you, sister. We love you. And uh, God loves you. And so she went up to them and, you know, and told them, like, I don't want to work here, but this is the only thing I can get. And they told her, like, we can help you. Like, come with us. You know, we can help you. And you don't have to work in a place like this. And she quit. She quit, like, within, I think, days. And eventually she uh, started working somewhere else. And, and so, you know, I always would say at these masses, like, you cannot defeat the devil using his tools. Mm-hmm. You know, with his hatred and, and, and his anger and this judgment, de- uh, this uh, judgmentalism and condemnation. It's like, if you want to defeat the devil, you got to use lo- the tools of love, which mm-hmm. is God, you know? And again, there's a reason to love your enemies, pray for your persecutors, you know? And, and so I think, you know, for, uh, for us, especially as Catholics, anyone who's listening is Catholic, you know, please, you know, they don't need that. They need to be treated with love, you know? And I, one of the stories that I love in the gospels is uh, the story of Zacchaeus, you know? I mean, everyone knows the tax collector, Back in the, I mean, even to this day, tax collectors are not, anyone, no one is loved, you know? <laughs> and, like, no one likes a tax man, right? And so, <laughs> and that guy, not only was he a tax person, but he was considered a traitor and, and a thief. And Jesus says, he didn't wait for him to be like, oh, Lord, forgive me. He says, I got to go to your house today, Zacchaeus. And that's the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's the Lord. He doesn't care if you're a sinner. He, he saw in his heart a desire to change. And so, but that only starts with conversation. And so for anyone who's out there in, in, in the clinics, you know, God bless you. But please, if if you're good with people and want to start a conversation with somebody, that's where change happens, not condemnation, where we're just uh, confrontational, you know. And so, um, you know, if we, if we again, as they say, we have to suffer for the sake of the name. Hey, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. We got to give thanks to, to God like the apostles did when they got persecuted. And so, um, you know, the work is great. The work is really great. And. You know, not only we do that, but, you know, during these Masses for Life, we read off a list of names of people who have been murdered in the city, mm-hmm. in the counties, uh, San Bernardino uh, and Riverside counties. And that's one of the things that, you know, I work with the Office of, of Restorative Justice for the Diocese of San Bernardino. And we read those names to, to let people know that there's not just violence here at this clinic, but there's violence all over the place. You know, gun violence, you know, murders and these sort of things. And, and um, it's really a, a sad situation what's, what's happening. And so... But again, rather than just saying, "Oh, how sad," and, and just sitting there, it's like let's 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 take steps and do do certain things so that we're able to overcome uh, these these problems that we're having in the city. You know, and yes. whether whatever whatever city we're in, you know, me as being in San Bernardino, I have that's certainly my vested interest right now as a pastor in San Bernardino. You know, but uh, you know, we have to again not just think pro-life as being anti-abortion, but really pro-life means we exactly. have to defend life and the dignity of human person in all its forms. Yep from conception to natural death and i don't they're probably sick and tired of me (laughs) saying that over and over again but to me it has to be that's the catholic way that's god's way exactly Uh, it's it's you know i i posted a question um on on instagram about do you have any questions uh for father manny i i should have just said you know what i should have just intended it for a couple of people but yeah i was bombarded with questions but one of the things that you, Good. Uh, actually that. some of them were like, he's my favorite priest. Aww. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> like, so that there were there was some thanks just, so much. You guys are nice. There were just some fam uh, DMs. <laughs> I was like, uh, I didn't yeah, think I had fans. Uh, yeah, there, there's just some fan stuff. <laughs> I was like, but nice. but this question, you know, this person asked um, Father Manny, you have devoted, you have devoted to shed light to social justice issues in your community. In your experience, how can we foster a pro-life culture that extends from conception 
to natural death, I think you were reaching that. Yeah. Um, at times, it seems that some Catholics tend to reduce pro-life to one issue mm -hmm. or two issues. How do we truly accompany and live out the full spectrum and richness of our Catholic social teachings? You know, that, that's such a great question, you know, and thank you so much, uh, you know, to the person who, who asked that question, you know. I, I think it's one, having that mentality that we're going to reach out even to places that are maybe uncomfortable, mm -hmm. you know, because I think sometimes we, we divide ourselves into the political persuasions in Catholicism. If you're like conservative, you just believe in this sort of social justice stuff. If you're a liberal, you believe in just this sort of, and to me, like we have to have the fullness, you know, we can't just pretend that one doesn't matter and the other matters or that another one matters and one doesn't matter. And so the way we've been able to integrate that, you know, in, into our parish life is that we see a need anywhere there's a violation of human dignity. That means we are going to be there present. So I'll give you an example. I just gave this uh, in a homily last week during the uh, racial justice uh, protests, you know, after George Floyd uh, was murdered. Uh, we did a prayer, a rosary against racism. We did a rosary. I mean, that's. That's something that we should just do, right? You know, racism is one of those mortal sins that doesn't get talked about too often. And so in the homily, I was talking about racism is the foundation of abortion. Racism is the foundation of the death penalty. Racism is the foundation of eugenics. Those things are all based on racist policy, racist thought that some people belong and some people don't. Some people deserve to live and some people deserve to die. And so I was sharing this. And I was telling them that we have to be ready to be persecuted for the sake of justice. And so because during this uh, talk on uh, or during this rosary, uh, this race, uh, rosary against racism, I gave a talk about how I was racist, how I had my issues, how I had my biases in that, how I thought of certain ways of certain people. And so, like, you know, I would just share my own experience, you know, that I had to change, too. And I had to, like, really look into myself and say, you know, where is it that that I need to uh overcome my own my own biases and my own discrimination my own racism well you know somebody was there that didn't like what i what i had to say and so there's this website i forget the name that i was sent from uh the, the good monsignor our vicar general who said father you've been slandered i'm like what are you talking about and he goes here and it says like communist pastor father manny cardoza <laughs> from san Bernardino preaching anti-white racism at an anti-white anti-white racist rosary <laughs> like and i laughed i go <laughs> This is this is hilarious, man, and uh, and so to me, are we are we willing and ready to face folks that are going to to basically tell us these sort of things, you know? And and to me, it can't just be reduced to like um, something that that agrees with my political thought, right? Mm -hmm. You know, because in the end of the day, there's people who are suffering, right? People are suffering, and people are. In, in such a uh, difficult situation that, you know, like it's easy to be like, oh, you shouldn't have aborted your baby, you know, but like sometimes they don't have money. People don't have jobs. People don't know they're being abused. You know, there, there's all kinds of things that, that I hear in confessions that I hear when, when people talk to me about this stuff. But at the same time, it's things that afflict other people, you know, in the economy, whether it's the economy, whether it's, you know, whether it's policing, whether it's priorities made by the city government or the state government or the federal government. You know, these are the sort of things. And so for anyone who's like looking to enter into maybe the social justice on a right swath, it, it's important to be present anywhere that 
human dignity is being denied. Mm -hmm. Human dignity is being reduced to basically that we're just things, that we're just, we're less than human, where humans are being treated as, as animals. And so I think that's where, where it really cuts across all political persuasions, all, any of those things, because why ultimately, if we believe that we are made in God's image and likeness, that anything that goes against that means that we deny that we are made in God's image and likeness and we, mm. we can't have that. And so for the Catholic, that should be that should be the foundation. Are we made in God's image and likeness or not? If we are, then that means we have to fight against all these things. Now, there's different ways of fighting, but we have to at least open our mouths, be present, pray, certainly be around. You know, I, I look at like I was just talking about this the other day, the pictures of Martin Luther King. And who's he surrounded with? A bunch of people, but priests, nuns, you know, other people, people that are Catholic. And that's amazing to me, you know, and those are people that like I look up to Lee, like as a Catholic priest, I have to be with my brothers and sisters when they're feeling like their dignity is being diminished. And so um, I think for that question, you know, it's there's plenty to look at, plenty to see where human dignity is being denied or diminished and that we go out there and fight against fight against that. You know, and I think in the end of the day, we have to walk with people, especially those who are suffering the most, mm -hmm. because why? Jesus did that. Mm -hmm. That's what Jesus did. I think it's important to to address the fact that uh, people who are in the pro-life movement simply just don't look at things as abortion, abortion, abortion. And that the majority of people who are in the pro-life movement are in the human life movement. And that means yeah. incarcerated. That means the people who are um, unhoused. Uh, that means there are people who are immigrants. Uh, that m yeah. means people who are who are I impoverished. Uh, uh, and and how do we tackle all of that? Well, you can be specific to certain things, but you can't close your mind and say this is impo more important than this one because all these things are important. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. Yeah, you know, and I think even as Americans, we have such a great responsibility, you know, as as a world superpower, you know, and I think this is something that I really think about as a history major and also as a Catholic priest, knowing about world history and, and uh, that, you know, I've asked people, like, do you think an American baby is more important than a Chinese baby? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if, if you think that, then that's a problem. Because to be honest, uh, in the eyes of God, they're all, we're all equal. There's no there's no distinction. And, and to me, it's like, what are we what are we thinking about? What are we doing? Like, are we okay with the fact that the Chinese government, like, since 1978, has aborted, like, 200 million babies? Yeah. Like, are we okay with that? Are we okay that the Uyghurs, you know, this Muslim minority in their country is being, genocide is being committed upon them. They're being um, sterilized. They're being murdered. Are we okay with that? Or are we like, well, they're Muslim, so who cares? Like, to me, anything that goes against human dignity, we have to stand up. You know, there's this great... I'm going to make a plug really quick. There's this great site that, that I follow called Re, uh, Rehumanize International. And they're like this. They're like dignity human person in all its forms, you know, from conception to natural death. And like, so there's partners. And when I look at their site, it's a bunch of young people. It's a bunch of young people. They're not beholden to one particular uh, uh, political or ideology, but it's about human dignity. And I think that's something that as Catholics, we have to, we have to embrace people that have the same mindset that we do, whether they're religious or, or secular, you know, mm -hmm. because there's partners in this. We have partners in this. And so 
you know, one of the things uh, in the city of San Bernardino that we've been able to do is partner with different people. You know, everyone has a different interest and we might, some interests might diverge, but if I see a problem and I can work with this group, yo, I'm going to do it. I'm going to work with them. I'll give you an example. You know, we're working with uh, Victory Outreach, which is a Protestant evangelical mm-hmm. group. And they do great work with gangs, with homeless, with people who are drug addicts. And one of the projects that they have and uh, that they're working on is called the Violence Intervention Program, along with the Young Visionaries and a group that's associated with them called Hope Culture. And basically, the Violence Intervention Program takes all different segments of, of, of whether it's uh, the city, policing, industry, business, social services, and then themselves. And what they do is they say, look, they go to the gang members because these are all like a bunch of old ex-gang members that have given their lives to Christ. And they said, look, we can help you like get out of the gang life. We can help you get your family out of the gang life so you can be safe and not have to live this way. You're like looking behind your back all the time. And but if not, the police are going to come down on y'all. The police are going to come down and you're going to be in prison. And then what? Then what? And so so they're trying to get people out that way. Right. And then on the other side, if there's a, a shooting, they go down to where the shooting has happened, you know, and they uh, they try to they try to they talk to the victims' families and try to tell them, look, let the police handle it, let the police handle it, don't go for retribution, don't go for revenge killing, and we've seen some results. We've seen, I think, last year a twenty percent decrease in, in violence in San, gun violence in San Bernardino, and so we're working with them with a bunch of different groups. You know, we have different Christian groups, secular groups, Islamic groups, Jewish groups. Uh, Protestant groups and doing doing the work together in terms of supporting them. Right now, the parish is sponsoring one of their their facilities. The rent is five hundred dollars. Our parish said we're going to pay your rent because of the work that you mm-hmm. guys are doing. They're not a big operation; they're a small operation. Their church isn't huge, but we figure well, they're helping us in our community. I believe in that kind of work to get people from gang life out to gang life out of the gang life. To help their families and so we're paying for that and it's not to brag to say oh look how great we are no it's a matter of, like we can all work together mm-hmm. and if we're working together that means the city's going to be better yeah and that yeah. interrupts the that intervention just interrupts that whole thing from from going beyond because as you know as we know when 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 things happen with gangs there's retribution absolutely and so is is that what it's preventing it's preventing the back and forth retribution by by these groups by your groups that that are interrupting the the yeah, flow exactly right and that's a, uh, funny enough they're called the interrupters oh. you know yeah because that's the kind of work that they're, that they're doing and so they're working again there's young visionaries uh, Terrence Stone uh, Hope Culture which is uh, uh, Pastor Rick Alvanese Jr. and I mean they do such a phenomenal job and they work together you know with working with the Hispanic gangs African American gangs and just trying to get them out of that lifestyle and, and so now they're they're expanding to Loma Linda mm-hmm. you know because Loma Linda is a, a trauma hospital and so whenever there's a shooting they call mm-hmm. they go down to the hospital talk to the families and see how what can we do to to help you right now at this moment so that you don't go do uh, yeah. revenge killings you know and so so these are the kinds of things that to me that question it, it really offers is like are we looking for opportunities in which we can get involved Especially in, in local government, you know, in local, in, in the in the local. And uh, because that's where a lot of changes can happen. You know, we kind of look for the federal policy. We look for the state policy, even county. But at the local level, a lot of movement can be done and a lot of things can change really, really quick. You know, yeah. so it's been great. So, so 
um, what I'm hearing is you're having a lot of, of ecumenical uh, encounters here. Yeah. And so what, what with, with your ongoing dialogue with, with these other faith communities, um, what do you feel is important for us as Catholics to, to be present in those ecumenical spaces? Uh, because it's very rare that, you w that we hear that especially in, in our environment where we predominantly do youth and young adult ministry, yeah. and it's not in the inner cities. Sure, how, sure. How can we affect that change and get involved in your movement well, or in the know, movement that you're, you're in? Yeah, I mean, like here, you know, you, you know we're here in Fontana, I think. And so, I mean, there's certainly, certainly cities that, that do have their own shared struggles, right? You know, like I'll give you an example. We work again with the ICUC in the Congregation United for Change and a lot of these things. And, and the president, who's Tom Dolan, great guy, Catholic and uh, graduate of Notre Dame, doctor, but he, he doesn't like using the title, so we call him Tom. And, and so he was giving us a story of, of Chino Hills, a parish in Chino Hills, and that they were doing a lot of work with the young people. Why? Because there was a big drug problem, a huge drug problem. And so they were doing all these things with the youth, you know, and, and so they got... You know, the youth were the ones that, that drove the policy like, hey, we need things after school. We need things during the summer. Mm -hmm. We need help with therapy, counseling, with wellness centers, these these sort of things. Right. Because right now, no matter where you go, it cuts across economic and uh, cultural. A lot of young people, especially, are dealing with depression, suicide, thoughts mm -hmm. of suicide. They're dealing with drug problems anxiety these sort these sort of th these sort of things you know like and, and so i think that kind of cuts across everything and so you know it's really making those connections in which who can help us so we don't have to reinvent the wheel right mm -hmm. that sometimes we have we have that problem i think in the catholicism where we want to reinvent the wheel do our own thing but there's a bunch of groups out there that you know they might necessarily align with our quote-unquote theology but like if they're looking out for the dignity of the human person, like we should be okay with like partnering up with them and yeah. saying, yo, that we can, we can work together on this stuff and we can get the services to those who, who need it the most, you know, like I wouldn't even say homelessness. I mean, it, it it's touching everywhere. And, and that's, that's a problem. Certainly a policy of how the cities deal with homelessness, because to be honest, in San Bernardino, sorry, I have a lot of stories. I have a lot of stories. So when I first got there, in San Bernardino, obviously, we have a massive homeless problem, you know, and I see it like even in my grow, growing up in my hometown, Corona, I still see it in Corona, you know, and I mean, that's an upper middle class city. That's not a poor city. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I'll tell you the story in San Bernardino, the city had an opportunity to rezone this area for Mary's uh, Village, which is a housing facility, a program for homeless men, 87 beds. And it wasn't just shelter. It was like counseling. It was like drug rehab. You know, it was addiction problems, you know, mail service, you know, health, all those things. Right. And they were going to live there 18 months and then hopefully by then be able to get back, you know, to community to be productive members of society and just be reintegrated. And man, the city was like, nope. And so it didn't get rezoned until we got involved. And we I think we had like over a thousand signatures from different churches, different groups, different religious churches, uh, religious groups. And secular groups and so we're able to like convince one of the members who voted no to switch his vote and it got back up it took another year and a half two years to get it done but we finally got it done but man we got so much pushback from city uh, from the city government and so i think that's something that um 
that's something that anyone can get involved with, especially, you know, again, we see the social problems in the cities. We see the homelessness problem. And so when, whether it's adults or young people, like to say, you know, especially as Catholics, like, are we making a difference? And I think that's something that I was talking about the other day with my seminarian who, who's there at the parish with us and said, I think many times people don't see us as serious players exactly, because mm -hmm. they think we're irrelevant. And I think we are sometimes. I love my faith. I love being a priest. I love Catholicism and all it offers. But if we don't actually get involved and say, these are the hands of Christ, this is the mouth of Christ, these are the feet of Christ, then we're wasting people's time. Now, how can we, as as Catholics, and you were, you were talking, you said that word policy, and things that happen in our communities and our society is always dictated by policy. Yeah. But these policies are created by those people that are in office so how can we affect change in those policies you know i think it's uh, organizing you know one of the things that we've been able to do in san Bernardino, for example um again we ha we talked about this problem with like a mental health illness among young people suicide rates you know growing ever higher and so what 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 we did in partnership with different community groups uh is they organize the parents but they organize the kids because they're the ones that know what what they what they need, what they want. You know, they're the ones who are experiencing this stuff. And so what they did was they gave them the tools to advocate on their own behalf, right? And so they would go to school board meetings. And so here's all these kids, all these students with their moms and their dads, and here's the school board like, "Oh my gosh. Where are all these people come from?" Mm -hmm. Like they sometimes they would be like uh, afraid because they weren't expecting that because who goes to student who goes to school board meetings at seven o'clock at night on weekday nobody <laughs> but all of a sudden here's all these kids there's all these parents there's all these community leaders and, and clergy saying yo what are you doing with the with the resources that is being granted to you you know and so so they were able to uh get the the school board to to promise to build wellness centers for for anyone who needs who has a, who's having a mental health crisis so they don't have to wait weeks to mm -hmm. see a therapist they could go right then and there i'm having a crisis i gotta go to the welcoming center boom you're, you're it's on campus you can go and it's it's actually at the they're building one right now down the street from my parish at pacific high school and that was all because of young people mm -hmm. they're the ones that got involved they're the ones that were able to uh, push and push and push and with the help of adults you know i think this is where we're able to be mentors to our young people yeah. and not just dictate to them like yo this is what I think you need, but say, what do you need? Let, let us know and how we can help you. And I think, you know, if anyone is young here, you know, like we want you to have the tools. We want you to have, you know, the training so that you can advocate on your own behalf, you know? And I think that's what Catholicism offers. You know, there's this great, uh, this great mentality called subsidiary where like, if you can do it at the localist level, do it. So that means like, we have to, we'll train you so that you can go out and, and make change at that local level. And, and so I think these are the kinds of things that uh, we're, we're able to, to integrate within our faith tradition and say, you know, part of our faith means to go out, right? Like literally the mass means, y'all yeah. know what the mass means, right? Yep. You know, be dismissed, go out to the world, right? And, and so I think Francis is really uh, pushing that a, a, a great deal, you know, uh, in, our, in our faith, because I think in a lot of ways people see the faith uh, the Catholic Church is, is almost irrelevant because it doesn't affect people's lives. You know, like, 
you know, I'm not a great priest. I'm really not. You know, like I always like this quote, this quote from the scriptures where it says, you know, I'm an unprofitable servant. I'm only doing what, it, what I'm told. Like that's, that's me. <laughs> you know, Jesus told me I'm going to do it. Right. But like to me, we're doing, I'm doing what I'm asked to do to be out there. But I love the people. I love them. They, they know that, especially the young people. They know that I love them. And so, but as, especially if there's any clergy listening, yo man, stand next to your people, stand next to your young people, especially because they love it when the priest comes around, man, they love it. You just have to be yourself and just ask a simple question. Like, how you doing? And watch, watch what happens. I, I, I love to hear stories like yours. And I love to hear stories like um, what Berenice uh, Villa uh, was doing over at um, Our Lady of Guadalupe, which was engaging the youth and the family members to vote. Absolutely. You know? And I know in our Catholic faith, we, we don't tell anyone who to vote for, but we can definitely engage them to vote for what is best for their community. And I think that's an issue with, with our communities is we don't vote. We, don't, we only mm. vote for presidents and senators, but we don't vote in the local level. And, and it's amazing how easy we can change policies by just voting in the local levels. I mean, just the ability to change a vote can be just in the hundreds or thousands of votes. And there are so many of us Catholics. And the, the effect that we can have on policies and changing the tide of, of, of how our government leaders should do things the way that we desire uh where the commute to help the community is there i i just sometimes i i just don't think that that is relayed from the pulpit um yeah. from our pastors to say go and vote and yeah. vote the policies that you feel would better uh, because i i think there's there's a way to say it without telling people who to vote for, yeah. but there's there's creative ways to sell, tell them that, hey, you know what, we have uh, homelessness, we have gang issues, and uh, vote for the person who will support um, rectifying these issues. Sure, yeah, absolutely. You know, And I think we're very fortunate as, as Catholics that there, there's so many of us. You know, like, trust me, politicians will listen because if we, especially we're unified, if we're organized, and even just saying to the pastors, you know, like, hey, offer your space for, like, debates. Offer your space for, like, we're going to have a community meeting. You know, that's something we do a lot at Our Lady of Hope is we open our spaces for community meetings. We open our spaces for uh, for engagements with the, with the local leaders. And, and, and so the people know us. You know, like, I was very shocked one day. I was getting ready for the day, and I get this call, and I didn't recognize the number, so I let it go to my voicemail. And I check the message, and who is it? It's the mayor of San Bernardino. Like, yo, man, I didn't even know you had my number. Like, how'd you get my number, man? He's like, well, I'm the mayor, you know? Like, okay, big brother. You know, so, you know, so he just wanted to have a meeting, you know? Like, this is the man that, like, never wanted to talk to me because we were completely opposed to a lot of things. And now all of a sudden he's reaching out. And that didn't happen by accident. That didn't happen because, oh, Father Manny's a cool cat. No, that happened because he thinks I'm a mover. He thinks I'm a shaker, right? Mm -hmm. And he thinks he needs my support. Well, you know, I don't really support him. But, like, it means something because there's a lot of people that are moving and pushing and making sure that the things that need to be done in our city are being done, you know? Like, people see San Bernardino, for example, as just a cesspool, right? And I get it. Like, let me tell you a story, man. When I was at, when I was at Loma Linda, I had a meeting down at the, at the Pastoral Center. 
And I don't know, I must have been in a foul mood or something because I was in my car, you know, and I'm like, man, what's wrong with this city, man? This city is crazy. It's so messed up. And then, like, then I hear about this parish, Our Lady of Hope. I'm like, hope? What hope? Where's the hope, man? There's no hope here in San Bernardino, man. And Jesus is all like, <laughs> okay. So there you go, man. Not even a year and a half later, like, oh, Bishop tells me, oh, Father, I need you here in San Bernardino, Our Lady of Hope. I'm like, Jesus, man, that's you, dude. You're the hope. Yeah, I'm the hope, I guess. Man, God bless him, you know. But, um, but like, you know, again, it's 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 not that complicated. It's just a matter of saying yes. Let's have a community meeting here. Yes, let's have training here. Yes, let's support our young people. Yes, let's get the leaders here so they're questioned by the by the community. You know, because it's a lot easier for us, almost to dictate what's going to happen versus I have to go to a city council meeting. They're going to do public comments, you know, until like, you know, late, late at night. Mm -hmm. And we can have it there. And if they want votes, then, hey, they're going to have to come out. You know, we had one meeting. I think we had like 200 people at this community meeting in our hall. I mean, it was packed. It was about some project that was happening in San Bernardino related to Amazon. And, you know, there was a lot of opposition. And so it was a lot of things and a lot of cool things. But it's just a matter of like for us as Catholics, for us as me as clergy specifically to say, are we supporting community? to come out are we supporting communities to ask the questions of the politicians you know like why are these things happening and where's your position on this you know and yeah. you know like i'll tell you this in san Bernardino, you can win with like as mayor with ten thousand votes there's two hundred thousand people live in san Bernardino. probably of that probably at least a hundred thousand are voters you know and so you can be a city council member with like two thousand votes or less you maybe know? i should run yeah, maybe you should run, <laughs> you know, and and I think, again, it's it's when people put pressure, but it's also when you said voting, making sure that that we're able to rather register voters, give opportunities to register voters, you know, and really push that, you know, and say, hey, it matters your vote in this little election that you may be thinking it doesn't matter. It does matter, mm -hmm. you know, like really enough, there was this quote by this uh, rapper. I don't really know who he is. I heard him. Um, on, on the news, his name is Mike, uh, Mike the Killer, right? Which <laughs> I never heard his music, but he was from Atlanta. And so he was saying, yo, get involved in the local politics because exactly. that's where you can make the change, you know? Exactly. And I was like, man, that guy knows what's up, you know? And so um, <laughs> that's what we've been doing in San Bernardino. So we see like this sh little shift, right? A little shift, little by little, like there's actually hope in San Bernardino. Not because Father Manny was there, but because there's a bunch of people that wanted the opportunity and me just saying, yes, let's go for it. Let's do it. And again, that's where people see Catholicism as, hey, like, I might not agree with y'all. Like, I might not even be religious, but, like, the church is doing something. The church is right there. And, like, there's people that I've met. They're just great people. They're doing the gospel without even realizing they're doing the gospel, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes even more than us. And that's, like, so biblical because Jesus is always, like, saying it's the outsider. It's the outsider. It's the outsider who's following God. All you insiders, not so much, you know? <laughs> You know, check yourself, yo. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like that, you know, in the scripture where where the disciples said, that guy's doing miracles and he's not one of us. <laughs> exactly. Said, so let him. So let him. That's he's, right. He's doing what you guys are supposed to be doing. Yeah. So, Father, th yo. this this question, because um, we're all youth ministers. Yeah. And so in your experience, how can we as youth ministers best advocate in our parish communities for youth and young adults, oh, and specific, especially 
with our pastors and parish staff because I think that's as youth ministers, you know, we can do a lot of things. Oh yeah, yeah. But how do we also engage our pa- our pastors and our parish staff to allow us to to go beyond the periphery? You know, man, I gotta make the sign of the cross because they, you know that question is very frustrating. You know, uh, as as a pastor who who loves my young people but realizes that it's been a problem in many parishes because I hear the stories. You know, what I do in my parish is if, if, if for example, we had like the young adult group, right? You know, uh, 412. 412. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they say, Father, can we do this? Yep. Yes, you can. How much money you need? <laughs> that's it. That's the question and that's the answer. What do you need? Tell us what you need and we'll, we'll help you. You know, y'all want to fundraise? Okay, whatever you, whatever more you need, we're gonna get it to you. You know, and, and to me, that tells you. You know, you can be like, yeah, 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 let, let's do all that stuff. But like, if if a parish or if a pastor isn't like actively saying, what do you need in terms of financial? Then let's stop waste. Let's stop waste. Let's stop pretending. Let's stop pretending that we care. You know, like I hate to be that blunt, but like when it comes to the young people, if they don't feel not only like I'm gonna be there for you physically but like even financially then we're just wasting time we're just wasting people's time and uh you know yes they can fundraise and we should be very open to that you know and like one of the things that we've done at the parish is like basically anything that's related to youth like we don't take any money we just say it's all yours here's your account here's the account put it in the account whatever you need it just let us know and uh and if you don't have enough just let us know and we'll take care of the rest and that's it you know that should that should really be the answer to every pastor and now before people say, oh, Father, but, you know, like, we're poor. Yo, man, I'm in San Bernardino. I have two <laughs> parishes that were completely falling apart, and we've helped with that. And I look at John Bosco. John Bosco is, like, one of the greatest examples of how we should deal with youth, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that guy had nothing. That guy was, like, in debt almost his entire ministry. But who did, who did he trust? God. He trusted God, right? And so there's so many great stories where, like, you know, somebody, like, goes into his office and he's like sitting there like yo father if you don't give me my money right now like i can't give you guys bread like no more bread for the kids he's like just can you just wait i'll, I'll pay you soon no 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 no. i need it right now because you've been telling me that and so like somebody walks in somebody else walks in and says oh here that's for you um you know father and so it's the exact amount mm-hmm. it's the exact amount of money you know that they need and so to me like do we have faith or not do we think God's going to help us or not? Because that's really what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. If like a hundred bucks is going to break you, then man, you got bigger problems, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Like to me, we have to support our youth, not just in a accompaniment kind of way, saying we're here for you. Ask whatever questions you want. Tell me whatever it is you need to tell me. I'm not here to judge you. And also financially, because again, we're wasting their time if we're not doing that and not just say no automatically. We have to say yes. Wow. You know, my parish... We went to World Youth Day, uh, Costa Rica, and Panama. Like, I, I was I was gonna tell that story. Yeah. Because I I, I research, actually researched you, I stalked you, because uh, because <laughs> World Youth Day is coming up. We're all looking at World yeah. Youth Day, and and I was looking. <laughs> it's like what parish sent the most representatives to <laughs> Panama? And I'm thinking, you know, uh, Saint Paul the Apostle in Chino. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking Saint Peter and Paul in Rancho Cucamonga. I'm thinking Sacred Heart and Rancho. And, you know, I'm like, Our Lady of Hope. (laughs) That's right. Our Lady of Hope. 33. 
three, I'm like, that's three thousand five hundred per <laughs> person. And I'm like, and I, and then I looked at where Our Lady of Hope is located. I'm like, I'm looking for the big giant houses. I'm like, how did you do that? The grace of God, brother. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I was over a hundred. I, I I'm not good with math. That's why I also love history. But I was like, that's over a hundred thousand yep. dollars. Yep. I was like, talking about multiplying loaves and fishes. You know what? I told the people, we're gonna do this. It's gonna cost over a hundred thousand, or it's gonna cost a hundred thousand. And you know what? What they said? <gasps> I heard an audible gasp in the church. I'm like, no, we're gonna do it. And so we said, everyone who's going, um, you have to raise at least eight hundred yourself, eight hundred, nine hundred dollars. The rest, we're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna do it through fundraising. We had some super generous donors. You know, we had some land that we were able to sell. I mean, we just went full bore. We just went full bore, and, and uh, we we made not only enough money for everyone to go. But we also made enough money for everyone to receive, I think, $200, $300 in spending money. Oh, wow. Because some of the families were poor. And they'd never been outside the country. Mm-hmm. Not outside the city. They never. Been, some people were like, oh, they've never been on a plane before. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, man, it's going to be great. You're going to love it. Mm-hmm. And, and so, again, this is the spirituality of Don Bosco. You know, like, I always tell people, like, if I wasn't Dazzison, I would, I would, if they would have me, I would be, be a Salesian. I would love the Salesians, <laughs> man. I love them. And so, like, if we don't have that much faith, then it's not going to go anywhere, you know? And, and and to me, that's the way we did it. We made a lot of sacrifices. These kids were unbelievable. I mean, the leaders we had, two young leaders, uh, Anthony Hernandez and Mariela Gonzalez, they were, I think, at the time, 21, 22 years old. They're young. And I said, you guys are in charge. Go for it. Just let me know what you all need. And they're out there, man. I mean, they're out there every holiday, every weekend, every – it was ridiculous, man. And then, of course – you see all this happening, and all the other groups said, hey, we want to help too. Yeah. And so there they go. And it was really nice. unbelievable. And uh, we're able to, to do that. And, uh, you know, I think Sacred Heart, I think, sent uh, 18 or 19. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was actually, Beaumont Manning, they did a good job too because they sent, I think, 21, 22. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned one of the parishes right now. You know, like I asked one of the guys from uh, one of the richer parishes, like, yo, how many guys are you guys sending? Oh, no, Father, we're not going. I'm like, wait, wait, what? Why? Oh, because they say we have no money. Fundraising, you know, and you guys have money. Trust me, you all have money. You know, you're rich. So, um, <laughs> you know, but that's the problem, right? That's why people see Catholicism, young people see Catholicism as, as pointless, right? Yeah. Because do we really devote the resources to our young people? And are we there for them? And do we listen to them? Because a lot of times, you know, like I'm telling you this, as you said earlier, I'm a young pastor, right? Like, I'm 43 years old, but when I first started Lady of Hope, that was eight years ago. So what is that? What's the math here? 35? Mm-hmm. Yo, I would heard th- I heard this so many times. Oh, Father, you're so young. <laughs> Eres muy joven, Padre. You know? And so, like, what that really means is, like, Father, you don't know. You don't know. <laughs> you know nothing. You know nothing. And I'm like, well, I might not know nothing, but you know what? I don't rely on the wis- my own wisdom. I rely on the wisdom of God and the Holy Spirit, Amen. you know? It doesn't, doesn't mean I don't make mistakes. Absolutely not. Yeah, I make a lot of mistakes. But uh, I put my faith and trust in Jesus. You know, the Holy Spirit guides us through. And you know what? Salesian spirituality. I love just saying, God, we trust in you. We're going to go for it. That, that is so refreshing to hear from a pastor because that's not usually what we hear. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not an experience that I've, I don't think that's an experience I've ever had in the years that I've done ministry. Sorry to hear that, 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 that is not something 
that you, that you hear. What you hear is we don't have money. Uh, you know, all you guys do is spend. Um, we could use that money elsewhere. You know, and so, but you did hit the nail on the head when you see young people excited about their faith because they're fundraising and they're active and they're participating. Mm -hmm. You see this energy that just emits from them and everybody else wants to help mm -hmm. and yeah. more people are engaged in the parish community. And when they are not active because they're not empowered to be, you see this kind of coldness yeah. that, that arrives in a parish community that just it's the old people again. Yeah, you know what? I, and I appreciate the old people, man. I mean, I really, there's wisdom there. And it, there's a lot of ways. They were young at one time. They were. And, you know, and they have wisdom. You know, that's the thing I, I tell the, the older folks. I said, yo, impart your wisdom on the young people when they're asking, right? You know, again, I'm only 43. Like, the wisdom I have is, is certainly from God and my own experiences, you know. But, like, like they want to know. Young people want to know what's life about you know and um you know like i've been so blessed the last man you know really though over the, my whole priesthood you know and but really at our lady of hope like a lot of my young people kind of disappeared during the pandemic you know there was a lot of that and and but lately a lot of them been like father can we talk to you father i know i've been gone and they come up to me and again it doesn't mean that i'm great or anything but like they come to me and they're like, can I talk to you about something? Yeah, let's talk. There was this young man, you know, like he's he's like one of my special kids, man. I love him so much. And uh, he's a great young person. But he got lost in the world. He got totally lost in the world. And I saw him about two months ago. And I was so happy to see him. And he's already crying. He, he's he's not a young kid. He's, he's, you know, in his 20s now. And, uh, and so, like, I'm holding him on his shoulders, you know. And he goes, no, hug me. <laughs> and he's crying, you know, like in front of everybody. And this is like a, a, a big old guy who's like not a doesn't look like a like an emotional person, you know, and he's crying. And I'm like, baby, I love you. I miss you. Know, I missed you. And I'm glad you're back, you know. And so I've been seeing him little by little, you know, getting inching forward, you know. And uh, and to me, that's what a pastor should be, no? Mm -hmm. Like. If your young people can disappear and come back and the first person you want to see is you, man, that means you're doing the job of Jesus Christ, right? You know, and like there's different stories like that. There was this young man who, um, you know, like he he was raised without a father, basically, you know, really nice man, really nice kid. He's, he's grown now. And like I remember going to a soccer game and they're playing soccer. And, and I mean, I hear him just cussing up a storm. <laughs> <laughs> And I call him by name. I go, yo, da-da-da. And he sees me. And I'm like, have you ever seen, like, when a, like, a pet is in trouble, like a dog is in trouble? <laughs> he goes like this, like, uh, you know, you can kind of see his ears going down, you know? He goes, oh, oh, father. Oh, I'm so sorry, you know? And, like, I go, that's all right, baby. That's all right. Don't worry about it. And so I thought the game, man, man, he didn't say hi to nobody. He didn't, like, go with his teammates, nothing. He, he made a beeline straight to me. He goes, father, I'm so sorry. I'm I didn't really mean that. I go, baby, don't worry. We're in the in the mo in the in the motion. Of the, I mean, we're like in the moment, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, yeah, man. Don't worry about it, man. I, I understand. Don't worry. Just work on it, okay? He goes, yeah, yeah, father. I'm gonna keep working on it. <laughs> but like, you know, like that's the way we're supposed to be as pastors. And like, if young people come up to us and say, Father, can we do this? We gotta say yes. yes we gotta right. do yes. And if it fails, who cares? Mm 
Mm-hmm. We can learn from that. We can teach them and mm. show them a better way. You know, like, hey, let's let's continue what worked and what didn't work. Okay, we leave the stuff that didn't work behind and then the stuff that did work, let's continue forward. And that's the thing, right? We have to give them a chance and not just one chance, but a lot of chances and recognize that we're not going to make money off of them. That's okay until later on when, when their careers. On. Yeah. When they stay. When they stay, exactly. Because why? We took a lot of chances on them and they make a lot of mistakes. It doesn't matter because they can learn and they become better people yeah. and they become better Catholics. Mm-hmm. Because we invested. That's my word for the year. Um, it it's an investment. And, and um, you know, uh, we were talking earlier about um, about systemic racism, and and how that is, and it's not necessarily the way. You know, for me, it's not necessarily the way that people think. For me, it's it's. I was never given a roadmap as an impoverished child, and uh, of how it is to succeed. You know, mm-hmm. my parents never taught me about four hundred one ks and four fifty seven ks and Roth IRAs. And they said, "What is that?" Mm-hmm. You know, we were just trying to make them the the electric bill. Um, and mm-hmm. so s- savings was, you know, a couple of hundred dollars in your savings book. Um, yeah. But investing, that was not something that, that no. people who grew up in poverty um, uh, learned or yeah. taught because their parents didn't do that. And so in, in doing that, I think um, I have no idea where I'm going with this. But, but I, when you're talking about the kids who – are, are poor and and that's all they know um, in youth ministry I think that is something that we need to engage in our community yeah. is teaching them life skills mm-hmm. of yeah. what it is to not just buy the things that you desire but how to invest and our investment in them right now to all the pastors who may be listening to this is your investment in them as Father Manny said when you're spending money on your youth, it's an investment that will pay dividends yeah. in the future. And if you don't invest in them now, you're not going to see them in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. You know, and uh, again, you know, we didn't do it perfectly. But I think that young people at the parish know that if there's if they need to talk to somebody like I'm there, others are there for them. You know, and we have a lot of organizations in the city of San Marino, man, they focus on the youth a lot. And it's not about being perfect, you know. I mean, I think that's one of the <coughs> things that people, young people especially, get wrong because they've been told, like, oh, to be Catholic, you have to be a certain way, mm-hmm. right? Like, no, we're all in our journeys. We're all in our mm-hmm. struggles. We all have our issues. And, like, if the church can at least at least focus on one thing, mercy. Mercy. On mercy. Because too many times, justice, you know, and, and not even good justice, not even, like, God justice, right? It's human justice, mm-hmm. which is automatically flawed. And so, like, I think with our young people, man, like, are we just giving them one chance and be like, oh, no, no, see, you messed up. That's it. No, we can't trust you guys. No, like, we can't do that. Like, if they mess up, that's okay. Again, let's, 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 let's see the good and let's see the bad. And we'll work that out. And, like, don't worry about it, you know? Like, one of the, the altar servers, you know, there's always new ones. I try to get, you know, we try to always recruit. And, like, there was this this altar server who was just nervous, completely nervous, right? They're all nervous at the beginning, you know? <laughs> and I go, I go, you nervous? They're like, yes. <laughs> you know, they just shake their little heads, yes. <laughs> I go, okay, look, at, I'm going to tell you something. I got two rules. And then they get even more nervous because I'm going to give them rules, right? <laughs> and I go, number one rule, don't worry about messing up because it doesn't matter. 
because the only ones that are going to know is me or the other priests, and we're all nice, and we're not going to be like, you know, what are you guys doing? It doesn't matter. You can learn from that, and we're going to teach you, and you're going to be fine. And rule number two, have fun. <laughs> Enjoy yourselves. Don't be, you know, too overly pious, man. You know, smile a little bit. It's good. Smile lots. You know, I want the kids to feel like they love what they do, you know? I just gave this homily about three weeks ago about this young girl because the, 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 the gospel was about the call, right? Like to be called and to just say yes to Jesus, right? I think it was the call of uh, Peter and his, and his brother and, uh, and then James and John. And the, the, usually the sermon at the beginning was, the homily was, usually when I ask somebody to serve, they have all these reasons why they can't. I'm too sinful. I don't have the time, whatever, right? And I remember I was walking to daily mass one day and there was this young girl, 13, I think. And her name's Jimena. And Jesus told me, ask her if she, uh, ask her to serve. So I go, okay. So I go to this girl and said, I go, sweetie, Jesus asked me to ask you if you want to serve as an altar ser as a monaguia, as an altar servant. And she's like, yeah, yes, I do. <laughs> And like she, she was sitting all the way in the back, right? And like that's, and I, that's the sermon, that's the homily, the beginning mm -hmm. of the homily. And fortunately, I was give thanks to God, she was there. And then like a few days later, I saw her at dailies, you know. And I go, Jimena, hey, you know that was about you, right? And she goes, Yeah. <laughs> my mom or my my grandma said the same thing. She goes, Oh, they're talking about you. And like she was all happy, you know. <laughs> and I know she's like one of our best altar servers, you know, always there, always mm -hmm. wanting to learn, just great, you know. And she's fantastic. And so, uh, you know, it's just like we have to invite and just walk with them, and and not worry about the mistakes and not worry about like you know making money off these kids. It doesn't matter because if we really believe that God's going to sustain the church, what do you say? The gates of hell should not prevail against it. Like, you don't. Do you think the early church had money? It's, they were a bunch of underground, you know, church. It was they had no money, and they were able to do this. Mm -hmm. right. So we have money, and we're gonna be able to do this without it, with or without, you know, because God's gonna take care of it. You're literally the most pastoral priest I've ever heard. I think that was the one. I think that was the one comment that that everyone says. Uh, You're having Father Manny. He's my favorite confessor. He is so pastoral. <laughs> and I was like, and I'm like. He's huge. He's scary. So how can he be pastoral? Um, but literally in hearing you and, and the way that you're, you're sharing, um, really now I can understand why so many of the young people um, are, are saying what they're saying. And 412, really? I mean, it's like, what in the world are you feeding your, your young adult ministry? That's uh, them, man. You know that I don't give any, I don't fire. take any credit for that. That you know that was our a lot of our World Youth Day kids, right? They were mm -hmm. young and they were wondering like now what? And so like yo, because you know I went in in 2011 to Spain, which was a lot of fun, but I saw what happened. Everyone kind of just went away little by little, you know. Some of them like sadly one of them, like uh, became uh lds like you know i have nothing against lds but let already say they're great people and we work with them and stuff like that but like that's one of our catholics who was so involved she got married to lds another one you know like which kills me she was so great and she still is great and uh you know like she came out and and rather than walking with with her you know to try to do a lot of 
conversion therapy and things like that. And she had just a struggle, a big struggle rather rather than the people walking with her. She ended up just living, uh, now she's living with, with her partner, you know, and like in New York, you know, and like, it, it kills me, you know, like, and not to say that, like, like I hate her or like she's bad or anything like that. I just, like, I feel like if we were there, if we were there as clergy, if we were there with a group like that, like we have a 412, like, I'm saying we could have walked with these folks in their in their journey, right? Rather than just walking them in the them walking independently, you know, mm-hmm. and like, you know, we have that. We have in our parish, you know, like pe- young people of all sorts, and they're trying to live their lives the best they can, you know, like, and the four twelve group, like they all have their struggles, they have their 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 hardships and their doubts and all that stuff, but in the end of the day, they're still community, right? Yeah, they're family, and they look out for each other. And like, you know, like that's one of the things <laughs> the parents we've had, like you, some of the young girls, you know, have babies and like, you know, they tell me this, like, oh, father, I'm going to have a baby. I'm like, oh, baby, congratulations to you. You're going to be a mom. Let us know what you need. You know, like it's, it's not time for combination, mm-hmm. you know, and like I sometimes I tell the dads, you know, like I'm happy for you. Like, let us know what you need, you know, mm-hmm. because at that point it's, it's, it's moot, yeah. you know, I just say, you know, Come talk to me. Confession time, right? Let's let's go. And um, but like people have struggles, people have questions, and and I think the beauty of the group is that any question is open, and they'll ask they'll ask any question, and I love that. And I think that's the way it's supposed to be, right? The church is supposed to be a place where you feel safe to ask whatever question you want, and that somebody will journey with you, you know. And, and so I think that's one thing that I wanted to avoid. Now these young people, man, they're the ones that are phenomenal. You know, they're the ones mm-hmm. that are doing so much. I just say yes, go ahead. What do you need? That's it. You know, like that's the easiest thing we can do as pastors. And like they're the ones that do the work. <laughs> yeah. You know, we just went on a hike to Palm Springs, man. It was cool. You know, there was like twenty one of us, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, they had the uh, Amanda Alexander, Doctor Alexander, this a few weeks ago, talking about brain on uh, uh, brain on prayer, and it was phenomenal. You know, they, we had, I think, like close to 30 on that one, you know, and uh, again, questions that are should be asked, that were asked and were, were addressed. And like, that's the space to do it yeah. because no one's going to go like this. <laughs> no one's going to be pointing. Space. Yeah, no one's going to be pointing at you like, oh, you can't ask that question, sinner. What's wrong with you? You know, like, no, we got to offer the spaces. So they're the ones, man. I give credit to them. I give glory to God for them, you know, and uh, they're the ones. You know, if anyone makes me look good, it's them. You know, it's my young people. They're they're the bomb, man. I love them. It's you beautiful. Know? Yeah. You know, it it it's, it it just speaks volumes of of what you are doing with youth and young adults. A place where they can go, a safe space where they can speak freely and engage their faith. And I think that's very important to hear for for our our people who might be listening. Who are looking at their parishes and are looking at them and says, "Where are all the young, uh, young people? Where are the young adults?" And maybe the answer is what Father Manny has done or is instituting in his own community is making young people feel welcome. Yeah, you know, like I'm gonna give a shout out to Father Rogelio Gonzalez at Assumption that, you know, he had a, a building that was open, like it's a house basically, an offices. And he was asking, like, what what are you going to do? He was asking, like, what should I do? I said, man, give it to the youth. He goes, you know, that's a great idea. I'm going to do that. I'm just going to give it to the youth. And dude, and there it is. And he gave them a, a space for them. And, like, I think that's amazing that he did that, you know, because not a lot of pastors would be like, they'd be like, no, 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 we got to use it for something else, not for the youth. 
right? Especially at that parish, because it's not like they have a lot of space, you know, but he made it a priority. And I give credit to him for, for doing that. And I'm sure having to deal with some of the backlash from certain people, you know, no doubt, but he made it a priority. And so like now at Our Lady of Hope, we have this old pantry that's no longer being used. One of the things we're trying to fundraise for is to make it a youth center, you know, for the young adult ministry, for the youth ministry, for the Vietnamese uh, Tuni ministry, uh, Eucharistic Youth Movement ministry, and, and for anything related, confirmation ministry, anything related to young people. We want it to be a space for them so they can plan, they can meet, they can do whatever they need to do instead of like, you know, Father, we need a room and da da da. They can just have it there and it's for them. You know, we're trying to raise money for that and, uh, you know, hopefully by the time I leave in about a year and a half, like it, it's going to be done and they're going to be having be able to have their their space for, well, for them. You know, imagine it's going to be called Father Manny's Pantry. No, where, no, no. <laughs> where, where loaves are multiplied. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man. I don't, <laughs> it has to be dated to someone else. <laughs> you know, but I just I think it's, uh, you know, I love them. I think the young people give us so much. They challenge us and they should challenge us, you know. I tell them all the time. I said, "You guys are gonna, you guys are gonna make the things that we messed up, and you're gonna make them better." And uh, we we have a lot of hope and faith in them. And you know, I think the synod right now is just a, a great time to listen to what their needs are, their concerns, mm -hmm. the ones that are in the church, the ones that are outside the church, you know, and say, you know, how can we walk with you? Yeah. And uh, that's what they need. You know, they they need to know that somebody loves them. And at the mm -hmm. church, you know, they say what the church is. You know. Uh, Mata e Magistra, right? It's a, it's the mother and the teacher, and man, to me that means like we're compassionate, and we're gonna guide you, you know, like our mothers, right? Well, hopefully we have a good relationship with our mothers, man. I love my mom, you know, and uh, she's gentle, but she taught us, you know, and so that's the, that's the church, to be gentle and to 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 be taught, you know, and uh, hopefully that's that's what that's that's what's gonna happen in the future with. Or continuing to happen, you know. That's beautiful. You know, we, we started with pro-life movements. We went to to um, human dignity. We went to pastoral care. We went through youth and young adult ministry. And we're starting to touch base on, on synod. Um, Bethany, you have any questions for Father Manny? Do not. Do not. <laughs> I, I'm always filled with questions, Tony. You're making it easy, man. <laughs> Don't make it too easy. Um, yeah. Do you have any words of wisdom that maybe you can impart on? Um, you know, when we talk about pro-life, um, I always feel so overwhelmed. Like it's such, because it, there's so many different things that go into that. And I think you kind of already answered it, but how do you, how do you talk to someone? Because I deal with so much anxiety and, 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 and going out, that that concept of going out like i like lose my breath like it's like oh my gosh that's so scary you know yeah. um how do you calm that down like because i want to be that great servant of god and go forth but it's just terrifying <laughs> yeah. you know so i don't know any any words of wisdom you know what there's it, it, there's a lot of i i would say there's a lot of different ways that people can participate you know in, in these sort of actions you know whether uh, you know sometimes i'm going to tell you this Politicians will listen to anyone, especially if they write, call, have that one-on-one, -on -one, right? Like, you don't want to be around a lot of people. You know, like, you can say, look, like, I want to help, but, like, I don't want to be around folks, you mm -hmm. know? Like, can I just go visit congressional offices, city council offices, school board, you know, 
and talk one-on-one and to be an expert on whatever you feel like you're passionate about, right? Mm. And so I think that's where we have to find people's passions, you know? Like, my passion, obviously, is, is human dignity on all those points. Why? Because we're made in God's image and likeness, right? So I'm, mm-hmm. like, able to go out to these places. But, like, mm-hmm. maybe there's one thing that I'm passionate about over other things. And so, to me, we have, for example, just a lot of different people. And no doubt, there's some people that maybe uh, struggle with anxiety, social anxiety, not being around a lot of people. But, like, there's always a way to help. You know, like, we just had, let me see, a few years ago, we, we had these young people doing phone banking. I don't know if you know what phone banking is. Phone banking is like basically making cold calls to people saying we're advocating for this, right? And just calling one on one. Like sometimes they get hung up on. And these are kids like are 13, 14, 15, 16 <laughs> years old. And they made like for this one proposition, like 400,000 calls. Wow. You know, they and and so like they were the ones doing it in, in this one little room and at the parish, you know, and uh, to advocate for something. And, and so. There's a lot of different ways to help. It's not just one going out with all these mm-hmm. people to a me- huge meeting where there's a lot of people. Like there's all these little things that we that need to be done. And so, I think find that passion, whatever it is you're really passionate about, and say, I can do this, right? And say that's enough. That's good. That's good. What I'm doing, you know. And eventually, if you're able to work yourself up to different things, then hey, God bless you, you know. But like even the things that we we think, well, it's not that big of a deal. It is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Again, because we're using our, our faith to move something that needs to be moved, you know? And, and so that's what I would tell you, you know, and anyone who has any any concerns like that or any any sort of like social anxiety or anything like that is that there's a lot of different ways to get involved. It's just a matter of like, who can we connect with? Mm-hmm. And, and and really be honest with whoever's in charge and say, you know, I, I can do this. Can you help me do that in a better way? You know, and uh, well, if if you're working with community organizers, man, they'll they'll have they'll find <laughs> they'll a way to like they'll, they'll train you, man. They will, because the whole point is like, can you advocate on your own behalf? Mm. Because they don't want anyone to feel reliant on them, but they want people to feel empowered to say, look, you live in the neighborhood, you live where where this is going on, you can advocate for your on your own behalf and on behalf of others. Mm. So so that's what I would say. Thank you. Sure. Sure. Awesome. You know what? Father Manning. Yes, sir. How can people get a hold of you? How can people get a hold of me? There's a lot of ways you can get a hold of me. Um, you know, they can call my parish uh, office line. Um, you know, if, do you want me to get that number out? Sure. No? Okay. Our Lady of Hope. Our Lady of Hope. Uh, mm-hmm. My number in my office, uh, my main office line is uh, area code 909-884-4696. Uh, I memorize that because I use it a lot uh, when calling people back. Uh, there's also the parish emergency line. You know, if there's anything that's really uh, concerning or that maybe someone needs something sacramental, you know, uh, we try to serve a seminary. No, you know, like we. So please don't be <laughs> call me from Orange County or anything like that. You know, that's a different diocese. So not that I wouldn't go. Go out to there, your but, local priest. You know, I try to be local. You know, but um, parish emergency is nine zero nine six hundred four nine seven seven. And, uh, you know, we, we try to do the best we can. I'm also on uh, Instagram. Um, Father Manny 2009 is my handle. And uh, on the face on Facebook. And so I don't really write too much, but I, I do a lot of posts about human dignity issues and things like that. And uh, um, I think if you just look up uh, Manny Cardoza on Facebook, you'll, you'll probably find me. And uh, those are three ways you can get a hold of me, four ways you can get a hold of me. Amazing. Also, I just want to say that, you know, a lot of – a lot of DMs that said he is by far one of the best, if not the best, 
confessors out there. So if you do, I don't know when their <laughs> confessions are at Our Lady of Hope, but you might get a long line. <laughs> I hope so. You know, I, I love confessions. Uh, you know, for, for Lent, we are, I know a lot of parishes have services, and, you know, that's that's cool, but I'm not a real big penance service kind of guy. So what we're, what we're doing is we have uh, confessions between myself, Father David Andel, and Father Juan uh, Fom. Um, and uh, we have confessions on Tuesdays and Thursdays at our Valencia site, which is 1000 North Valencia Avenue, uh, from 5 o'clock to 6.20 uh, uh, with adoration during that time, on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, um, as well on Saturdays from 4 to 5.15 at uh, Our Lady Hope de Rosa site, which is 685 uh, de Rosa Avenue in San Bernardino. And then for Lent, what we're doing, instead of having a penance service, which we haven't done for a while, we are having an additional confession time um, every Friday of the month of March mm. for two hours. Um, and so from, I believe, from, s let me think. So this Friday, or this upcoming Friday after uh, Ash Wednesday, first Friday, we'll be having at 1000 North Valencia Avenue from 5 o'clock to about 6.50 with adoration during that time. And then every Friday subsequently after that during the month of March from 7 to 9, at Our Lady of Hope, uh, 685 Del Rosa Avenue. Um, and we'll be also having 24 hours of adoration during those Fridays as well. Wow. And so if y'all want to come out and adore the Lord Jesus at 2 in the morning, we're going to yes. need you. All right? So come <laughs> on out. You know, it's something that we've been doing. You know, again, something that was promoted during the Year of Mercy with Pope Francis. And uh, we even had one couple of years where we did 24 hours of uh, confessions. Wow. And, uh, man, that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there was one, I was I was hearing confessions like at one thirty in the morning or something like that after like maybe six seven hours of hearing confessions and I don't even know what I was telling the person like for all they know they could have been like oh father I just shot someone oh that's okay Jesus loves you I don't even know what I'm saying here's your penance say a hail mary or something like that you know and I was like no I need to go to sleep man this is a little much so honestly God I don't even know how father feel and say John B. I don't know how those cats be there for eighteen hours I could barely oh, handle yeah. ten hours you know. Oh, my don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. Uh, on that note. Not on that note. <laughs> on that note, we completely invite you to our um, to the mass that is in front of our, uh, Planned Parenthood or um, FPA. Um, the next one, I believe, is in March. I don't have a, a date on that, Father. So, yeah, so the next um, the next mass for uh, for life um will be actually on march 19th which is the feast day of saint joseph um and so um we'll be in front of the planned parenthood which is located on uh, let me see 1873 commerce center west in san Bernardino. that is near planned parenthood we are uh basically right next to the uh, peng uh pregnancy uh, pregnancy uh, family resource uh, center family resource center and right next to the planned parenthood yeah. And so please come out. Um, you know, it's it's great. And from nine to uh, to ten o'clock, uh, we'll be out there. And uh, there's always people praying the rosary or even doing different things. And so that's Feast of Saint Justice. So come out. And as Father Manny says, let's get 500 people out there. There's oh, yeah. a whole lot of people. There's a lot of youth mm -hmm. groups. There's some young adult groups. Hey, on that day, let's all head down there. Let's fill up that street. Let's fill up that space. And let's close that place down. You know. Yeah, if it happens enough, you know, those the, the people who lease it will have second thoughts, you know. Yeah. We have to just be sustained, you know. But please come out. You know, it's a great time. It's a great atmosphere. I know we're in a place of culture of death, but you know what? Catholics, 
we're happy people, you know. We're people of the hope. Amen. We're people of the resurrection, and so let's 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 show that, right? So we will see you on the feast of Saint Joseph at Mass. Mass starts at nine a.m. Me and Bethany and some of the other people will be there at eight a.m. praying the Rosary. Um, join us, um, and let's 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 really shine light in this culture of death, um, and really point to our Lord Jesus Christ. And on that note. Thank you, Father Manny, for coming on the show. No, man. Thanks so much. I appreciate y'all. Y'all are great. Thanks so much. And thanks for having this podcast. This is the bomb, man. I love it. (laughs) I love love it. it. Tony, Bethany, we're going to eat after this. So (laughs) on that note, thanks, fam, for for listening. If you have any comments, um, if you want to say anything, uh, questions, uh, email us at catholic.dad50 at gmail.com. You can also DM us at catholic.dad. That's my handle on Instagram. Or at... Mini Tangled. On Instagram, that's Tony, producer Tony. Send us a DM. Any questions that you may have, any concerns that you may have that you have shared. And as usual, please um, consider being a patron to our podcast. We have a mission to um, share the good news with young people out there who may need funds. Um, all our funds go to uh, young people anyways. So be a patron and help us with our mission. Um, And as always, please pray for us. We'll be praying for you. Live a life of holiness. Be blessed and be third. Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, Father, I forgot. Can you send us off with a blessing? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And may Almighty God bless you and your families in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Take care, fam. Different points of view and highs and lows. A new perspective everywhere you go. Open up your mind and drown with the noise. Different generations of the girls and boys. So sit back and relax. This Catholic podcast don't overreact. If these thoughts are abstract when it's hosted by Catholic Doc Dad, who knows what's gonna happen? Hey, what's up, fam? Different points of view and highs and lows. A new perspective everywhere you go. Open up your mind and drown with the noise. And see if this connected. What's up, fam? To connect generations and situations about faith, life, and whatever comes along. Spec runaway thoughts like a runaway train break into conversation like links of a chain. Make a Hail Mary pass. Hope this connects. Have a question for a guest? Put it to rest. Live a life of holiness. Lead by example. Follow at Catholic.dead and many tangled. <laughs> Christ leads our way, he's the good shepherd. Pray for one another, be blessed, and be there. Different points of view and highs and lows. A new perspective everywhere you go. Open up your mind and drown with the noise. And see if this connected. Love you. <laughs> Love you too. Yeah. Love you too, Nino. It's not being awkward. <laughs> <laughs>
The cabin is a two-bedroom, one-and-a-half bath that will do just that. With a beautiful wood fireplace lit and a glass of wine, you are sure to relax. With easy access from the main highway, private parking, easy access with stairs to the entrance, fast Wi-Fi, a full-size kitchen, and all the essential amenities will make your stay a memorable experience. This cozy log cabin was built in the early 60s with its original wood fireplace and a newly transformed deck with beautiful views of the San Bernardino Mountains. So, book your stay at the cabin in Running Springs, California. The cabin, located in the San Bernardino Mountains, is a beautiful place to see the beauty of God's creation. I have known the proprietor of the cabin for many years. She has always supported the youth and young adult ministries of her community, as well as this podcast. Check out The Cabin on Instagram at thecabin2021. Again, that's at thecabin2021, T-H-E-C-A-B-I-N 2021. 